Hey everybody, Joe McCall, how are you? So welcome to REI In Your Car, and I am driving right now and just coming home from a couple errands. I had breakfast with a guy this morning that just had an amazing story. Lives here in St. Louis. I'm going to hopefully interview him soon for the podcast. Man, he's been through a lot of crazy things, in and out of jail, was involved with drugs, got his life all jacked up, messed up found God and turned his life, God turned his life around, and then uh, been doing real estate for a few years, doing really, really well, but it's got a simple business. I just love it. I love hearing these stories of guys who kind of came from like the depths of despair and their backs were against the wall, and you know what? I got to figure this out, and they make it happen. They keep it real simple. They get back to the basics, and they get brilliant at the basics. Wrote a book about that. And uh, they just start talking to sellers and start making offers and start doing deals. But uh, just talking to him this morning, his name is Jason. I'll be interviewing him soon. But uh, it got me really thinking about my beginnings, you know, where I started from. And I, I too, can relate to somewhat my dad, you know, wasn't didn't beat me up or anything like that this guy had a pretty rough childhood although he's doing much much better with his dad now I don't want to get all the details and steal his thunder but you know my dad was pretty good we were very poor grew up he was a janitor extremely hard worker one of the hardest working guys I know and I love my dad he's awesome you know he's not without his faults and it you know it uh we, there were times that we didn't get along and you know a lot of it was my fault some of it was his but I grew up not knowing I was poor because my family they took care of us you know my mom and my dad and and uh well, yeah we were really poor <laughs> you know like we were living in mobile homes for a long time and then small little two-bedroom apartments and uh yeah crazy but uh, we always had food on the table, and my dad took care of us, and my mom did too. And they did, they split up, which was tough. So, yeah, regardless, fast forward then, you know, um, I went to college, got a job, and I remember like hearing Steve tell us, or Jason tell a story a little bit, got me thinking about, again, my story is, and like I remember, man, those days getting the the phone call from my wife that the sheriff had just come to our house and knocked on the door and gave her foreclosure notice you know of our of our house that we were living in that we had just bought like two years earlier and uh you know coming home from something and all the electricity was turned off because i couldn't pay the electric bill and uh by then it was you know, it was six or seven o'clock at night, and so I couldn't call the electric company to turn the power back on, so we had to sleep all night 
we turned it into fun, you know, with the kids. We we, we turned it into like a fun uh, camping thing. Hey, we're gonna camp in our house. We got the candles out, and the kids, the kids probably had a fun time with it, you know. But oh man, it was stressful. Like we're losing our house and can't pay the electric bill. This was way back in I don't remember when, but yeah, man, it sucked. It sucked. I was at work getting calls from bill collectors, debt collectors. You know, they had to, I had to beg them to stop calling my home because we had a little kid who was sleeping, right? So this must have been eight years ago because Lydia is nine now. So like when she was between zero and one, you know, she takes naps. I think she took naps. <laughs> I don't remember. But like, you know, when the phone rings at home that wakes up the little kids and... Let's see. So I quit my job in 2009. So this was 2008. And even some of this bled over into 2009. I was in such a deep hole. It, it took me... I'm almost done paying off my private lenders. I don't know why I'm telling all, <laughs> telling you all this these stories, but... Uh, I had a lot of private debt from debt from private investors on deals, and uh, I've paid all of them back except one, and I owe him not much at all, um, and uh, almost done paying him off. But yeah, so like I was losing my rental portfolio to foreclosures, short sales. Then we were losing our own house. I had a bunch of subject twos where we had taken over the homeowner's mortgage. And I never missed one of their payments because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do that to them and damage their credit from my stupidity. And maybe it wasn't my stupidity. I'm sure most of it was, but, you know, let's not forget, let's not beat each other up. Like, there was a huge recession going on, right? Like, the housing market crashed and it was hard even to find tenants. And uh, nobody was moving. Nobody was looking for a new, I mean, it was really hard. And almost every real estate investor, except the really smart ones, which I wasn't, almost every real estate investor was really impacted and hurt, hit hard by that, right? So I was especially, but of all the mistakes I made, I am proud of the fact that I've, I've paid back all my private investors. And this one I haven't paid yet, I'm almost done. I've been paying, making payments to him, and I could have paid him off a long time ago. I don't know why I haven't, but but anyway, so yeah, I you know... I, I, I pay back all my private investors, um, never missed a payment to them, and never, I had to work out payment plans with them and stuff. Never missed a mortgage payment on a uh, seller's house, subject to. And, um, but yeah, I had to eat a lot of crow and uh, dig myself out of a really big hole. So I'm, you know, I remember those days, man, getting the bill collectors to call, begging them to stop calling my home. And then they, you know, they, most of them were really nice about it. And they said, yeah, what's your cell phone? We'll just call you at work all day. So I'd get calls all day. I remember, man, I mean, with caller ID, you know, I I, I put the, the the bill collectors on uh, my, my contacts, right? So I could see who was calling me when they would call me. But then when you're, you know, at work or you're in a meeting, and I was in a lot of meetings, I always had to turn my phone down so that I was always afraid somebody would see my caller ID and see City Mortgage or Chase Mortgage or Ameren, you know, uh, calling me to figure out when I... And they were all automated calls, but, like, 
I was freaking out if somebody would accidentally see my caller ID. Remember one time my wife was at Target or Walmart or something and put everything on the belt to pay for it, you know? And uh, all of our credit cards are maxed out and she didn't have any money, cash, and, and she did have some checks, but put everything on there, you know, the kids are with her, all the people are in the back behind her, and uh, the card gets declined. And you know that embarrassing feeling? Like, sometimes I still get that. Like, isn't that horrible when you're, you, you, you got people behind you or you're with friends and you're praying that your debit card or credit card doesn't get declined and you get this all tense, this tense feeling as you're waiting for it to, like, say approved or declined? Like, can anybody relate to this? Like, what I'm, can you, can you pick up what I'm laying down? <laughs> can you smell what I'm stepping in? Oh, it's horrible. It's like stressful, isn't it? So like I remember so you know, she was in the in the target line and the card gets declined and she has to she can't write a check because it coming it was a check debit card thing and uh credit cards are maxed out and so she just has to leave the stuff there and walk out of the store in hu humiliation, you know, and frankly probably quite pissed off even though she never let me uh know that. You know, I have the most awesome wife in the world. But, uh, and then there was another time she was at McDonald's. The kids were hungry. She just wanted to get them a Happy Meal. <laughs> uh, now, I, every time I tell this story, I have to tell people, like, don't think that we eat at Happy Meals or McDonald's all the time because we don't. And uh, I'm sure she got them apples instead of french fries. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so she ordered the food, goes through the drive-thru and can't pay it because the card gets declined. And she has to leave the drive-through with the food there and the kids are you know I don't know if they were crying but they were asking like why can't they were hungry you know like why are we leaving the food there <laughs> uh, yeah man getting those calls from my wife they turned the power off again got a call the, the sheriff just came by gave us another foreclosure notice all during this time too, like there was a, I was facing a couple of lawsuits from stupid deals, like tenants or something like that. Oh, so <laughs> I said all of that not to like depress you, but maybe some of you can relate, right? And uh, but to tell you, there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? There is hope. There is hope for you. You can make money in this business, okay? You can pick yourself up out of the ashes. You can rise again from the financial ruins that you might find yourself in. And you can do deals in real estate. And sometimes, you know what? It's not until your back's against the wall, right? It's not until, hold on, let me close my window because it's really loud. Sometimes it's not until your back is against the wall where you have no other options that, you know what, doggone it, and I didn't say that at the time, but I said something worse. It was like, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired and being broke. I've got to make this work, right? And I see this so many times with students. They're like, the ones that are most successful many times are not the ones that already are kind of comfortable, already are doing well financially, you know? The ones that do the best they don't have any other options. It's like that interview I did with Gregory Hodges, that podcast. You got to go listen to that. It was like, F it, you know? 
he said, F it. I'm going to figure it out and do this and make it work because I have nothing to lose. Right? And he was like concerned, worried about whether he could do bandit signs or not and go to jail. He's like, screw it. I don't care if I go to jail. I don't care. I got to make money. So we do a bunch of bandit signs, you know? And it was just F it. And so that sometimes is where I see the most success. I know it was for me personally, it was for students that I've coached. Again, it's just, you know what? I don't know what else to do. I'm going to stop questioning whether this works, and I'm just going to do it. I'm going to stop worrying about what to say, and I'm just going to say it. I'm going to stop overanalyzing everything. I'm just going to do it. I don't know what to say, but I have this script. I'm going to use it. I'm just going to talk to the sellers. And I don't care if I make a fool out of myself. I don't care if I look like an idiot. Uh, I'm going to make these five calls today. I'm going to talk to five sellers a day. I'm going to make five offers a day. And you know what? I'm going to make 20 offers a day. I'm going to make talk to 20 sellers a day because I need to make some freaking money so I can eat, so I can feed my family and take care of them. You know, so I did this podcast for a couple of reasons. I was thinking about it this morning, hearing this guy's story and how he came back and he's doing really well now. I look at my own story and where I was, and it's good to be reminded of that stuff, you know, isn't it? To be reminded of those hardships and those hard times and not to get coaxed. Co- what's the word I'm looking for? Like to get coaxed back into that lazy, comfortable feeling of, Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. I got enough to make by, but like we need to have that drive and that passion constantly, don't we? Because it's easy to get comfortable and lazy and think that, ah, you know, things are all right. I don't, you know, I don't need to make those five calls today. I don't need to send that marketing. I don't need to do this or that. So, um, and here's the cool thing about this. Like, again, I see this over and over again, the guys that are doing the most, you know, are doing really, really well. Uh, they're not spending a ton of money on marketing. Now, you know, a lot of people are, right? But like when they're just getting started, these guys don't have tons of money for marketing. Or maybe they do, but they're like petrified, they're afraid to spend it. So they're going to do everything they can to like really limit or control their budget for marketing. This guy, um, Jason, I was talking to this morning, um, he, has to, he has the money to spend on marketing. He's not spending any more than like $500 a month on marketing. He's averaging about four deals a month. Okay. What? (laughs) Yeah. So he's just getting on Craigslist, sending texts and emails, calling sellers. He's talking to sellers. That's why he's doing so well. That's why he's doing what he's doing. He's just talking to sellers. So this isn't that complicated. You know, this isn't that complicated. I wanted to do this podcast to maybe give some of you guys some hope. Maybe some of you listening to this are at a point now where your back's against the wall and you're stressing out because you don't know where you're going to get the next uh, money from, right? Uh, I had a coaching student, Will, who his kids were at school and he had no food in the fridge and he had no idea how he was going. He had no gas in his car. He was a broke realtor and uh, he had he didn't know how he was going to feed his kids when they came home that day. And he looked at his couch and he thought, you know what, I could sell this couch. So he listed it on Craigslist, got 80 bucks for his couch that day, was able to get some gas and go buy some food for his kids when they got home by selling his furniture. 
you know, he called me and was in tears and just wanted to thank me for my course and for teaching him how to wholesale lease options. And that's what got him out of his, uh, his situation, wholesaling lease options, flipping deals, lease options as a realtor and, uh, went on to do really, really well by the time, you know, I, we were, um, became friends. We're friends now, you know, but, uh, you know, he was doing four or five deals, big deals a month, making 10, 20 grand on each of them. So, uh, this, this is so important guys. Like sometimes your back's against the wall and you have no other choice. So you're going to figure it out, but don't let that happen to you. Don't let your back be against the wall before you start taking massive action and start picking up the phone and talking to sellers and making offers. Okay. And if your back's against the wall right now, well, now's the time to make it happen, isn't it? Now's the time to say, you know what? F it. I'm going to do it. It's time to stop farting around. It's time to stop being a sissy. And I'm using the nice, polite words. It's time to start making it happen. Cool? So listen, if you want some help, if maybe if something that I've said to you is related to you, if you want some help and you want some coaching, um, let's talk. I can help you with this because I've been there and done that. And I know what it's like. Um, so if you're interested, uh, if you go to coachjoe.net, coachjoe.net, that takes you to a page where you can um, fill out some information about you and your, 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 where you're at now. And uh, you'll either talk to myself or one of my assistants about coaching and see if you're a good fit, and uh, maybe we can work together. Okay, it's not for everybody. Um, if you're flat broke, I don't think there's much I can do to help you. That's why I do these podcasts. There's a lot of good stuff, free stuff here on the podcast, a lot of good stuff on YouTube. But maybe you need somebody to kick you in the pants and to hold you accountable to some really simple targets, a real simple marketing plan, you know, who can train you and help you teach you how to talk to sellers. I really, really love the coaching business, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I make good money coaching, but I love it because I get to help people that were in the same situations that I was in, struggling for money, stressed out, and are able to do their first deal to make money, start making a difference in their lives and their family lives. Um, yeah, that I dig that. I love it. I love what I do. Cool. All right, guys, this has been long enough, and I'll see you all later. Take care. Bye. Oh, yeah, the website, coachjoe.net, coachjoe.net. That takes you right to a podio form. Just let us know a little bit about you, and we'll get on the phone and talk. See ya. Bye-bye.